Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Kim Marcellus, Senior Editor of McKnight's Long-Term Care News. Thanks for joining me today. I'm here with Dr. Waleed Michelin, Senior Vice President of Clinical Planning and Innovation and Chief Medical Officer at ArchCare. ArchCare is the Catholic Archdiocese of New York's healthcare system, providing nursing home care and other services to more than 9,000 seniors, the poor, and people with special needs. That includes seven nursing homes. Dr. Michelin has overseen efforts to control viral spread throughout the pandemic, but his attention is now also on the so-called triple-demic, increasing rates of flu and RSV amid ongoing COVID precautions. Dr. Micheline, thank you for being here. Thank you, Kim, and thank you for giving me this wonderful opportunity to address all of your listeners in the podcast, as well as all of those that read your wonderful uh, long-term care newsletter. Well, thanks for the plug. We appreciate that. <laughs> we appreciate your expertise, too. So let's start by talking about the triple threats of flu, COVID-19, and RSV that many nursing homes are seeing this season. Can you talk a little bit about how serious it is for seniors and also so what you've seen there at Arch Care? Sure. So I believe that it, it is very serious uh, for seniors. And uh, we've mainly seen COVID infections at this point, mainly because of what we have been put in place, which I can discuss a little bit later. But when it comes to infections, especially respiratory infections. Seniors, as everyone probably in this postcard knows, are the, are the most vulnerable. Initially, 88% of deaths uh, from uh, COVID were for seniors. And even now, it's at 58% of all, of all deaths uh, at this point. At, there's also a rise in tests and a surge is expected in the coming weeks because of COVID, in, in COVID, in the flu, in RSV, because of the weather and the holiday season, and because people have relaxed a lot, the measures that were in place uh, in 2020 to pre try to prevent uh, getting infected from, from COVID. So at, even though the, the hospitalization rates for COVID are flat and the, and the deaths are decreasing, the unvaccinated seniors are six times as high of getting uh, of dying of COVID. And the fact that only 34% uh, of the country has received the booster shot will cause the COVID infections to spread. It's similar with, with, with flu. The flu season this year is the, is the worst we've seen in the last 13 years. Wearing masks in the past helped prevent and hand-washing, social distancing helped prevent serious flu illnesses and serious RSV illnesses. But as the measures have relaxed, now flu is coming back with a vengeance. RSV is affecting not just kids, but also significantly affecting the seniors. Seven to eight percent of visits to a healthcare facility are uh, by seniors is due to a respiratory illness. Uh, and you're saying so, seven to eight percent, between yes. seven and eight percent. Yes. So Correct. one thing I'm really curious about, so we have these three things circulating, uh, as you mentioned, you're, you're seeing mostly COVID, but in a nursing home that might be seeing 
three different types of respiratory illnesses. How challenging is it to differentiate these three? And, and would most nurses at the bedside be able to assess that easily? It is difficult to differentiate uh, between the three, but there are, there are flu tests that can be done. There are COVID tests that can be done as well. And there's uh, machines that can differentiate between the different viruses that nursing homes can use and that which we use. But clinically, it can be very difficult to differentiate be between the three. Uh, the rapid antigen test is, is a good way to start. Uh, along with the flu test, we have measures and policies to define what to do when across uh, ArchCare that we found very helpful. But when uncertain, we have to presume that it's COVID until proven otherwise. Okay. Uh, and the importance of that is that we can start treating them with uh, Paxlovid and other monoclonal antibodies right away. So it's something that you can do to mitigate the COVID infection. So obviously, the first line of defense is to prevent COVID so, yes. and, and flu as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your vaccination efforts and uh, vaccinating against both at the same time, if that's something you've used, particularly in your nursing homes? It is something we've used. I uh, myself got my shots together. I recommend everybody gets them done uh, uh, at the same time. We have routine vaccination campaign across all of our nursing homes and other parts of arch care, not just for the seniors, but also for the staff, clearly. And that's both for the COVID and for the flu. Besides um, uh, a vigorous um, campaign on our websites, on our app for our, our care members, our webinars with families and staff where we discuss many things, but we start with COVID infection rate, COVID vaccinations rate, and flu incidence and vaccination rates, uh, rates across the system. We hold vaccination clinics for both employees and for our patients, residents as well. We provide in incentives for our employees to get uh, vaccinated. We're giving them gift cards if, if they get uh, vaccinated. And we hold, uh, in some of our nursing homes, we hold what some of them call uh, either a flu fiesta or COVID fiesta. It's, we hold <laughs> different, different events to, uh, and raffles among the seniors, among the, the staff to, to get them involved in promoting vaccination and getting themselves uh, vaccinated. So let me go back to the booster because you mentioned that earlier nationwide, it's about 34% uptake. Um, have you seen better results? Uh, is that a big focus for you? It's a major focus. We monitor the boosters uh, on a daily basis at ArchCare and we receive a weekly report from all of the facilities about the flu and the vaccination rate, uh, rates uh, across the systems, across the system, but for both our patients and members, but also for our staff. If a site is doing much better than another site, we use that as a way to learn what they're doing well. If a site is not doing well, we do a, a deep dive to see what, what is going on there, what the causes are, 
Usually it's a process issue, not a people issue. And we try to help those, those uh, that side to improve the rates. Uh, and again, either with increasing the promotions or sending our infectious disease uh, medical director to the site to talk to the staff and select groups at, at all shifts in, in the nursing homes to get them to get vaccinated. And we do this in a non-punitive manner. So we're not telling them you're a bad person if you don't get vaccinated. Our focus is on protect yourself, protect your family, protect the patients you care for and love. So I'm not that familiar with New York state regulations uh, when it comes to the flu vaccine. Does New York mandate that for healthcare workers? Unfortunately not. Okay, so it really is up to you to spur them to do it to protect themselves. Yes, the private sector is a lot, you know, good mandate vaccinations. Generally, they, they do not for fear of alienating workers. We are prohibited from a court order um, from mandating any, you know, flu vaccines or uh, COVID vaccines. We had initially mandated, the state initially mandated the healthcare workers get uh, the vaccine, but it has not followed up with that mandate for, for boosters. Right. And obviously the federal regulation has not gone beyond the, the first two, that first series as well. Correct. Um, I'm very curious to see now that CMS is using uh, the flu measure as a metric, if they will then maybe regulate that flu vaccination. Um, just speaking as a layperson, it seems to me that they're looking for some data and, and some patterns and it could have certainly help in some ways. But I think those who are in the trenches say that could also hurt when you're desperate for, for staff. It can hurt when you're desperate uh, for staff, for sure. Uh, and we have had people at Archka who have even opted to retire or uh, seek other type of non-healthcare employment rather than get vaccinated. There are very, very few. So what policymakers have to, to look at is where the benefits and the negative. What are the benefits of getting a mandating a vaccination versus the lack, the, the negative side, which the, the main one, frankly, is some, a few number of people uh, leave. Now, that sounds a little bit from my head like it's not a big deal, but nursing homes are in a staffing crisis at this point, especially for nursing and, and for uh, nursing assistants, uh, certified nurse assistants. And so we have to weigh those two very carefully as to what's better or not. From a public health perspective, every it, it should be mandated. From a caring for people perspective, when you have a significant staffing shortage, uh, you have to say, well, maybe not because we don't want to lose people. Fair enough. Well, let me ask you about masking because they certainly know that uh, masks have come down in some places. Are you still masking? Are you guys still in high transmission areas? Um, and, and kind of what dictates that going forward for you? We are still masking. Yes, we're definitely still masking in all of our facilities. We ask visitors to also mask when, when entering. It is not a choice. Masking next to hand washing and social distancing is a key component of preventing the, the infection. And until the COVID infection rate drops, drops down significantly, we're not going to, the state 
is not going to lift uh, the masking mandate in nursing homes because it is a mandate right now for to, to do masking for nursing Still homes. Still statewide, okay. Yes, it is statewide. It makes perfect sense to continue it. New York State's infectivity rate still for COVID, for example, is at 9%, which is very high. In New York City, mm-hmm. it's still at 5%, which is very high. Your 5% of your population is getting infected. And I bet you it's even higher because a lot of people are testing at home with the rapid test and are not reporting it. So masking makes total and perfect sense. Okay, so I wanted to ask that question because I imagine that is a big part of, of what you strategized around uh, this PROTECT program that you have at Arch Care. I had not heard of that until recently, so please tell me a little bit about it as well as our listener. Sure, so PROTECT stands for Program to Eliminate Contagion at Arch Care. We had to come up with a catchy name to engage the, the staff. And so it doesn't sound like it's dull, the COVID campaign or the flu campaign. <laughs> we tired of that, yes. Yes. And once it was clear that a pandemic was going to happen, and we were we making that decision when the virus hit Europe, we realized that we have to uh, protect or prevent uh, not just COVID, but any infectious disease. And, and this is a chance for us to do it comprehensively. So at the level of staffing, the first things we did was hire an infectious disease medical director across the system. We did have infectious disease personnel, but they were half-time. They were usually associate director of nursing who had a multitude of other duties. And so they didn't do the infection control as well as they should because they had others. So we've hired and maintained full-time infection protectionists at all of the nursing homes and our health centers out in the community. We mandated a top-down approach, meaning we wanted to standardize the care or how we manage infections. And therefore, we, we held weekly, daily initially, then weekly, bi-weekly meetings with all of the leadership to standardize our approach to COVID, to the flu, and any other significant infection that's that's happening so that we don't allow variations so that someone has a good reason for doing so. Because you do have to modify per site, but the basis you know, stand, needs to stand firm, at, especially at the beginning of COVID when people were coming up with all of the different types of uh, treatments that were not validated by the science, we said no. You've got to stick to the standards. So that was that was one uh, component. We then trained, initially we trained special teams to deal only with COVID patients. But once we saw that it was so widespread, we began a massive training campaign of all of our staff, from the executive director of the nursing home all the way to the housekeeper, to the kitchen, everybody needed to have training. Either every week or every other week, we send a monitoring team to make sure that people are following the policies of wearing PPE, uh, hand washing, dining and duffing appropriately. And whenever we see an issue, we we address it again in a non-punitive fashion. If you see that at one nursing home, nurses are 
there's a, a repeat of nurses, for example, wearing the mask below their nose. We go in and, and the, the infection preventionist does some education you know, with them about that. So we're constantly monitoring. We have thermal cameras that you walk into the nursing home and it automatically takes uh, your temperature. If it's high, we get a, rep a stat report sent to the infection preventionist so that he or she is aware. We have UV lights that clean the room in 30 seconds. We have negative isolation uh, rooms for those seriously um, respiratory infected patients that need to, you know, uh, be isolated. We uh, block the, uh, the rooms uh, of people that are infected to make sure that the doors are not always open so that the infection doesn't spread if they, if they are uh, positive as well. And we have um, every nursing home, and this is a state mandate, has it's at New York, it's 60 day supply of PPE. Okay. But in addition to that, we have a warehouse enough to supply the nursing homes with another month of PPE should they begin to run out. And so some of, these are some of the measures that we take every, again, every other week, we have a call with everybody about new policies, new science, new data on COVID, the flu and RSV that, that gets discussed by the executive director, the director of nursing, um, the infection control, the medical directors and the preventionists. And we set policy that way so that everybody has an input on the policy uh, as well. And once we have come to an agreement, we then spread that out to the rest of the system. What you're describing is, is incredibly comprehensive. Does that go away when COVID ends or is protect no. a part of arch care now? No, no, no. First of all, COVID is not going away. I think even uh, this is my personal opinion, these, the CDC has not declared that. I don't think COVID is going away. The only virus that we have eliminated is smallpox, and that took getting 90 to 95% of the world population vaccinated. With the current worldwide climate, with a significant push against getting vaccinated for COVID, uh, it's not going away. I think it's endemic and we have to live with it. That's number one. Second, infectious diseases are always occurring in nursing homes, the norovirus, the flu, occasionally RSV and others. So we have to maintain that, that vigilance. And third, with the increase in travel worldwide, with the human encroachment into uncharted lands in the past, we think, and I'm, we're not alone in, I'm not alone in this, but we are actually think that we're going to be getting pandemic every four to five years. Something new is going to keep popping up that's going to jump from these animals that um, we will have not had regular contact with into the, a human host. And so we have to maintain uh, vigilance. And lastly, you know, I feel like I failed when a, a person has been infected. It's the one preventable disease that we can manage. And so to me, it's a failure of the system if we have an outbreak of any infection in, in any uh, 
of a nursing homes. So we're keeping this vigilance up. It's an expensive program. It's costing us about $2 million. But if you do the return on investment, on uh, life saves, on mobility saved as well, and even on uh, expenses of hospitalizations, et cetera, that, that may be incurred, it's well worth the, the, the money. And so yeah. this is a priority for ArchCare. Well, I appreciate you sharing so much detail about that. That's terrific. And, you know, the one thing I can't help but think of when I think New York was, I think it was late summer when we were hearing there was polio in the wastewater. And it kind of just shows even some of those threats we think are not a threat any longer could come back at any time. So vigilance is a great word. Well, again, I really appreciate you taking some time out of what I know is a very busy season, RSV, flu, COVID, and and maybe some holidays, hopefully. Um, (laughs) But thank you for sharing your strategies with others. We want you to stay healthy and and best of luck keeping those you care for healthy too. Thank you, Kim. And again, thank you for this opportunity. It was a pleasure talking to you and reaching out to your listeners. All right. For McKnight's, this is Kim Marcellus. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit McKnight's.com.